Hear the word of the Lord spoken to us from 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. Since we, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into this same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Cynthia. Well, good morning. I was just in Park City this last week and went out there for a reading sabbatical and a marriage conference, and it was just a great, a great week in the Lord and a great week of working on our marriages and trying to seek the Lord to help us to love each other and really enjoyed that. While we were there, uh, it, was, um, it was Halloween. And one of the things they do in Park City, it's, it's a cool old mining town if you've never been to Park City. But they, they have a main street and all the old buildings on, on the side of Main Street. But they, they shut off the whole Main Street on Halloween. And then at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, thousands upon thousands of people show up and, and fill Main Street with all of their costumes. Everybody uh, is wearing a costume. And not only that, but they show up and uh, they have all their dogs and all of their dogs have a uh, costume on. It's just, a, it's just this wonderful community event. And uh, there, there, was one, there was one dog. I don't know what type of dog it was. It was maybe about this big. And the owners of this dog, um, they dress the dog as a, uh, as a bush, as a green bush. It looked like a, it looked like a chia pet, this dog. <laughs> And going around, and, and the dog had the saddest look on its face. I am a chia pet, you know. And uh, but everybody's just enjoying and having a having a great time. And I was just thinking as I was walking the streets, I'm like, why is it? Why is it that people love Halloween so much? What is it about this day that we celebrate here in America? Why is it such a draw for people? And so I Googled. I googled with the question, why do people love Halloween? And I got some answers. Here's, here's some of them. I love to be scared, is why they enjoy Halloween. Love to go to those scary movies. I like this one a lot, actually. It said, it's the only day that I can ride my broom legally. <laughs> I thought that was perfect. 
This one, I'm sure, came from a child. Their answer was, the candy, duh. (laughs) But then there were some more answers. I love Halloween because of all of the different masks that we get to wear. I love Halloween because you get to dress up and you get to be somebody else, was the answer. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as we finish up this chapter, he's saying, Halloween is over. And it's time to take off the mask. It's time to pull the mask down through the power of the Holy Spirit and to live in our true identity in Christ, as children of God. To live in the freedom of Christ that he has given us, life. To live in the new covenant. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you will minister to us this morning through your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would uh, take off these veils that we have put up where we're trying to live in our own strength, where we are not uh, resting in you and surrendering our life unto you. Father, help us to live in the freedom that you died for so that we might have life and freedom in you and real intimate relationship with you. And I just pray for each and every one in this room this morning that that you would remind us of, of the relationship that you desire with us, close, intimate, this love relationship. And we thank you for loving us, Lord. May this morning uh, glorify you. Would our lives reflect your glory, we pray. In your precious name, amen. Paul says, time to take off the mask. Look at verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Well, what is this hope that we have that Paul is so strong about? He spoke to us in the earlier chapters. He says, we have a hope in a God who raises the dead. God not only sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, but he rose again. And as we believe upon him, we are raised with Christ into eternal life, salvation in Christ. We have that hope. Cindy Benoit had that hope. And today she is with Christ Jesus raised with him. It's a hope that God loves us and that he walks with us in this Christian journey of ours. We have hope in the promises of God, that God makes us competent, adequate as ministers, as servants of the new covenant. And I just want to remind you what new covenant is. This is really, as elders and as pastors, we just really desire together that we understand New Covenant life because it changes your life when you start to live out in New Covenant. And if you remember from several weeks ago, I taught in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, starting at verse 4, and I think these are the foundational verses of, of what New Covenant is. Let me just remind you. Such confidence we have through Christ towards God. 
Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything, anything spiritual, any life as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God alone. Who has made us adequate as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. We have hope because we have this type of relationship with Jesus Christ that we realize everything is from Him. All of life, all of our resource to have life is from Him. We cannot do it in our own strength. We can't walk this Christian life of ours without Him right at the center and without us remaining in the vine, as John 15 teaches us. The Lord provides all that we need to cope with our present realities through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he says we're very bold because of this hope we have in this new and this better relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ, lived out through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are bold. It has the idea of um, we're open, we're transparent about this life. And, and we need to express, we are transparent, we come transparent before God and then before each other. That this is real life in Christ. Again, we, we keep trying to live these lives in Christ with, with all these veils, with all these masks. I'm happy. I've got this Christian life figured out. He says, no, no, let Christ take off that mask because we glorify God most when we live transparent and People are able to see God's work in us, our broken lives, our real lives, intimate with Christ, helping us to to walk this journey. That glorifies God. You see, he's revealed because he heals us. He touches our life. He ministers to us. And so as people journey with us, they go, that's only God who can do that. When we put on the mask that I've got this, it's all okay. God's not glorified in that. It's I, I did it all to change my life, to make it better. So he speaks boldly about this new relationship with God through his son Jesus. And that it's not about our efforts in keeping God's commands. It's not about all our attempts to have God pleased with us. You see, I think one of the things that we forget is that God is pleased with us as followers of Jesus Christ as we seek him in obedience, as we sit in his presence. We may feel like a failure, like we're not doing it right, but you, you have a loving Heavenly Father who says, you're his son, you're his daughter. I'm pleased with you. That's relationship with God. Yeah, there's times we're disobedient, and he's not pleased with that. But as a, as a person in Christ, he's pleased with us in our lives as we remain in him. We're his children. This is the new relationship with God, not about our efforts to keep it. We, we speak in great boldness because we have a thankful heart because of all that Christ did to die on the cross for our sin, to take that payment, to raise again and to give us life in him. And so we speak with boldness. We can't shut up about it, Paul's saying. 
I'm going to be transparent about everything that I am, about all that God has done, and, and I'm going to speak against all that we've been trying to lay on each other, which is trying to follow the rules, the law, all the bondage of the law. Trying to make a checklist out of that, that we're righteous. And so he says this in verse 13. We are not like Moses, who would put on a veil or a mask over his face, so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Paul makes this comparison, this contrast, with himself and his disciples, and that in contrast to Moses and the way Moses lived. He says, we're not like Moses. And what we're talking about in this relationship with God through his son Jesus. We're not like Moses was. And he takes us to this wonderful scene in Exodus 34. And if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there? Exodus 34. And we're going to look at uh, verse 29. He brings us to the scene at, the, at Mount Sinai. This wonderful area where God was present and was leading his people in the desert, out of slavery of Egypt, out of that bondage of Egypt and heading them towards the promised land. Starting in verse 29. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of testimony were in Moses' hands, and he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with the Lord. And so when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, The skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near to him. And then Moses called to them, and to Aaron and the rulers and the congregation, they returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in to the presence of the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel, what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses and that the skin of Moses' face shone. And so Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went to speak with the Lord. It's this powerful scene. You have all of Israel encamped at the base of Mount Sinai. And if you remember from earlier chapters, Moses is trying to lead the Israelites, uh, but they are a tough crew. Do you remember? He's up with God previously in the earlier chapters, and he speaks with the Lord, and the Lord gives him the commandments of the Lord. And there's fire, and there's cloud, and there's powerful thunder. I mean, it's just an amazing scene. And Moses comes down the mountain, and he says, here is the commands of the Lord, and as he looks upon his people, what are they doing? They're worshiping a golden calf. And so he takes the commandments of the Lord on those stone tablets, and he crashes them on the ground. But then God calls him back up 
to the mountain and once again speaks to him the commands of the Lord. This is who Moses is dealing with and what's happening with him. And one of the things that that really stuck out to me, and I kind of want you to highlight this verse if you have a little highlighter or pen, but it's, it's first uh, out of Exodus, it's 34, 34. It's that beautiful idea that every time Moses would go into the presence of the Lord, what would happen? The veil would come off. The veil would come off. It's, it's the idea of this is real relationship with God. This is intimate relationship. Everything that I am exposed before God. I am beholding his glory, and as I behold his glory, his glory will reflect. I don't come to God with the mask on. And he doesn't want us, he doesn't want you to show up and just like, hey God, I'm doing okay, thanks. Thought I'd hang out with you, I'm doing just fine. Say no, I want a love relationship with you, there's no mask when we're in each other's presence. And he does this work in us. He's starting to take off the veil. And so we we ask the question, we're like, why did Moses put on the veil in the first place? We obviously see in the Exodus passage that his, his face shone brightly and they were afraid. And so he, he put the veil on to cover that, that glow. I mean, the glow was powerful. And they were fearful of it. But then we get some insight in from Paul in 2 Corinthians that Paul, even though that the glow was fading, Paul indicates that Moses kept the veil on, even though the glory was fading away. Moses may have felt that the, the glow, the shine, from God gave him authority. Again, these were tough people who didn't really listen to him very well. And so, if they, if they believe I have this authority from God, and there's this powerful manifestation of God's glory coming off my face, that maybe I can have some influence. And Moses may have kept it on so that they wouldn't realize that the glory was fading. Here's the truth. The truth is the glory, the power, the authority belonged to the Lord anyways. It was all the Lord's. It wasn't Moses' authority, his power. It was all God's. And here's the truth about God's glory. His glory never fades. Never fades. So Moses comes down. Glory is fading. He's keeping the mask on trying to, to, again, not allow people to see that that's happening. But the real realization is people didn't get it. They didn't see the glory fading. And he's speaking to that, that the Israelites never see, and as they live under the law, they're not seeing that the glory is fading, has faded. And that the law is meant to fade in light of the new covenant that would come, the new relationship with God. The law was always intended to fade. You need to understand that. 
It was never intended to be our foundation of our relationship with God. It will always fade out in light of who God really is through his son Jesus and the the desired relationship that he has for us. Intimate, heart change relationship. What does the mask or veil represent? I think for Moses, again, I, I think it's a false sense of authority, of competence, uh, feeling like what does leadership and shepherding actually look like and, and trying to hide that because he didn't know how to do it. Use the mask to cover his fear, his inadequacy for leading Israel. John Fisher, who, uh, he was a Christian artist before Christian artists were even called Christian artists, uh, back in, in the 70s. Uh, and he, he, uh, he put out an album um, that was uh, called New Covenant. And uh, one of the things that was really cool about John Fisher, uh, he still ministers today, but he, uh, all of his, uh, most of his music was really about, just straight out of the Word of God, really trying to deal with what, what was happening at Peninsula Bible Church and what they were teaching through. And so he would end up writing albums kind of based on, on where the church was going in their teaching. And so during the time of Second Corinthians, he wrote this album, New Covenant. Uh, but there's a song in there, and it's called Evangelical Veil Productions. And I want to give you some of the words. Evangelical Veil Productions. Pick up one at quite a reduction. Got all kinds of shapes and sizes. Introductory bonus prizes. Special quality, one-way see-through. You can see them, but they can't see you. You'll never have to show yourself again. Just released a new Moses model. It comes with shine and a plastic bottle. It makes you look like you've just seen the Lord. Just one daily application and you'll fool the congregation. Guaranteed the last the whole week through. Oh, the veils we put on to try to hide what's really going on in our lives. Not living out God's intended desire of relationship, intimate relationship with us, but a life that's bound to the law, trying to strive to please God in our works. There was another group that was wearing veils. Look at verse 14. It says, Their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only, and you've got to highlight this, only through Christ is the veil taken away. Only through Christ. Only through relationship with the Son, Jesus Christ, is the veil taken away. That, that pursuit of living out the law in our own strength. It's realizing and surrendering our lives that God is the only one who can do the work that brings us into relationship. Through his son Jesus, we are brought into relationship with a loving God as we place our faith in him. We are saved. And we start to see what real life is, not shackled to the law, trying to get it right, trying to do it. You see, this group 
that Christ has taken away, it says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses, or the law, the commands, is read, a veil lies over their hearts still to this day. This is the, this is the works righteousness group. It's saying, we are in right relationship with God, or God is, is more pleased with us as we check off the list. I didn't, I didn't commit any adultery today. I didn't lie to anybody today. And I keep doing all these works in my own strength. I keep wanting to check off the list. Bound by the law. And God's saying, I came to fulfill that. Not to get rid of the law, but to fulfill it, which is, it's all about a love relationship. It's all about a transformation of the heart, not an outward, like Josh taught us, not this outward effort. It's an inward transformation. You see, this group that was wearing the veils, they would say to one another, you can do it. You can do it. You can get right with God. You can save yourself, in essence. If you take all of these steps, you can get there. And they were blinded to the holy God that they were trying to pursue, who demanded a much higher sacrifice. They hoped to gain personal salvation by their keeping of the law. And then in their keeping of the law, they would put on the mask, and it would be the, the mask of, of self-righteousness. And it would be, I am keeping the law. I've made all these steps but not you. Underneath the mask is a brokenness and a hurt and a, and, a, and a guilt because they can't keep it, and yet at the same time, there's a pointing of the finger. At least I'm doing it better than you are. And so came the self-righteous mask, a veil of pride over their hearts. We got this. We can do it, and that veil of pride covered it's amazing. Paul says, yes, to this day, this is 1,500 years after they're coming out of the desert. Yet to this day, every time the commands of Moses are read that came from God, a veil is still put over their hearts. They don't see, they don't see their need for Jesus, the Savior. They don't see the relationship that God really intends for them. They don't see the, the death. They don't allow the death of the law to happen. Because they want to say, you can do it. And we keep trying, and that's where the masks go up. I really feel like I can't do it, but I'm going to have the mask that says I can. Ray Stedman, in one of his sermons at Peninsula Bible Church, said this about the veil. I think it's really profound. The veil becomes a symbol of whatever interferes with and delays the work of the law. Instead of being open, honest, and transparent before God and saying, God, I can't do it, we put a veil over our face and we say, I can do it. You see, the law has come to condemn us. It is a minister of death to show us the emptiness of trying to keep the law. The veil, what that does, it puts off the death. 
that we need to come to in order to receive the life God is willing to give us in Christ. The law was intended to kill us so that we realize our need for a Savior. We can't do it. But the veil keeps going up and interferes with the work of the law. It doesn't allow that death to take place. And the Israelites and those who are living under the law don't understand that beautiful relationship that God desires with them, with you and me. That the the law came and it was to reveal our sin, right? To show us what sin was. It was to reveal who a holy God is that we serve. To show that our outward efforts are not enough to show our need for a Savior, to show that the law does not change the heart. You can keep a lot of the law in your own efforts, but it doesn't change your heart. You can keep all the rules. You can walk this Christian journey and say, I'm doing a lot of good things. It doesn't change the heart. They were blind to all of that. Verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. When one recognizes their need for a Savior, the veil is removed. It's that beautiful picture of Moses sitting in the presence of God. When I sit in the presence of God, the veil is removed. He is the one. Christ is the one who removes the veil. And that's the type of relationship that God wants with us. That you're in a new, a better relationship now with God through His Son Jesus and His law is written on your hearts like Isaiah teaches us. Now look at verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom when we finally recognize and when we allow Christ to remove that veil, now there is freedom in life, a freedom to obey, a freedom to follow out of love for our Savior. And he gives us life, not this chains, these shackles that we feel so burdened to, always with that guilt and shame that we can never quite get there. And yet trying to cover that up all the way through when he has this wonderful life of freedom in him. We, we, we start to have freedom to, to follow the Lord in obedience, not because we have to, but because we long to. With a thankful heart, Lord, I want to follow. You saved my life. You gave me salvation and new life in you, and I want to follow. Not because I must, but because it's the longing of my heart to be connected with your heart, O oh God. That we move into intimacy with the lover of our souls. And as we do, Christ removes that veil. It's real life in Christ. Oswald Chambers, great theologian, and he wrote some really wonderful devotionals. But he says this, The Spirit of God is always the Spirit of liberty. 
The spirit that is not of God is the spirit of bondage and the spirit of oppression and depression. Yes, the spirit of God convicts vividly and tensely, but he is always the spirit of liberty. I love what he says right here. God who made the birds to fly never made bird cages. It is men who make bird cages. And after a while, we become cramped, and we can do nothing but chirp and stand on one leg. When we get into God's great free life, we discover that this is the way God meant us to live, the glorious liberty as children of God. He is the spirit of life in us, and we're meant to fly in absolute love relationship with our Savior and to enjoy his abundance of life, forgiven, loved, cherished. Look at verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We have the joy of coming into this intimate love relationship with the Lord, and God has revealed who He is through His Son, Jesus. And as we remain in His presence, we are being transformed. As Moses would go and sit in the presence, the veil would come off. Intimate, this is who I am to the core. This is my authentic self before God. We are being transformed from one degree to the next. We're starting to be more like the Savior, more like Christ in his character, in his image. This is the work that God is doing in us. But here's the key, though, and you can't miss this. You see, when, when we, in our journey of life, came to a place where we realized that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. When we realized that he died on the cross for our sin and that he was indeed Savior of the world, Savior of me, of my soul. When we realized these things, that he was the only one who could save us, that that I can't save myself, When you surrendered your life unto Jesus and you placed your faith in him, my resurrected Christ, you were transformed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that. If anyone is in Christ, you're what? You're a new creation. Metamorphosis. You're, You're a new being. It's that same idea. You've been transformed. You're a whole new person in Christ Jesus. This happened as you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And your life was changed, and you were given salvation. You have life eternally with God. We get to go hang out with Cindy here soon in the kingdom of God. That's what happened. It's a done deal. But in the meantime, while we live in this flesh on this planet Earth, we are being transformed as we are in the presence of Christ. 
And that's this ongoing work. We call that sanctification. It's this ongoing work that God is doing in our lives. As we allow him to work in our lives and as we, as we take off these veils trying to cover where we, we feel like we're sufficient. And he's trying to strip down and say, no, you're not. And you need me to transform your life. I'm the only one who can change your heart. You cannot. You're being transformed. And so this is what happens, which is really cool about our Christian journey. We actually are being changed. We, we are. I, as I walk, I, I've walked this journey with, I've been here 23 years. I've walked a lot of life with you guys. And, and what I've seen in you is this transformation work that God is making you more like him, like his son Jesus. You're becoming more loving. You're becoming more gentle. You're offering a lot more grace. We're being conformed into his image. You know what? It's messy. We are, we're a messy people. And it's slow. But God is conforming us into his image. And as he does that, the glory of God is revealed. As we behold God, his glory reflects off of us. And so as we behold each other in the mess of life, as God's working in your life, he's glorified. He's glorified. At the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas, there's a portrait with the following inscription. It says, James Butler Bonham. No picture of him exists. This portrait is of his nephew, Major James Bonham, deceased, who greatly resembles his uncle. It is placed here by the family that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. You know, there is no literal portrait of Jesus either, is there? We like to put him with a big beard and long hair. But the likeness of the Son who makes us free, the likeness of the Son who makes us free, is seen in us, his children. As God does his transformative work in us, we are being changed from one degree of glory to the next. We are reflecting the image of God, of Jesus. That's the work he's doing in us. Again, not perfectly, but from one degree to the next, bumps along the way. And the promise of Scripture is what? He who began the good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ. Amen? Let me just close with this observation. Paul says in the beginning... We have this incredible hope, this new relationship in Christ. We're not to be like Moses was, and we are not. We have a different relationship, not bound by the law. Moses hid behind a lot of fear behind these masks. And so I think one of the questions from this passage is, is there a veil, is there a mask that we are hiding behind, that we're not allowing the Lord to be our total adequacy of life? for everything that we need in life. Do we put up the mask in our jobs if we're managers or leaders in our jobs and we put up a mask that we are strong and that we have it all together and you never want to show any weakness because if I do for one minute, I'm going to get killed. 
And God, I'm going to just figure it out on my, my own on how to lead this company. And I have to be strong in that when we're not adequate in and of ourselves. But through the power of Christ to lead and to love and to be able to do our, our journey daily. Maybe it's the, the mask of parenting. We try to hide behind this, this mask that we says we, we have parenting figured out. We know how to raise our children. And, and kids, as you come to church on Sundays, make sure you, you tell people the memory verses that you learned. Because it will show that our parenting is really good. When the veil is un, uh, removed, we realize, I don't know how to parent. I didn't get the manual. I know how to follow the Lord. And I'm going to teach my kids how to follow the Lord. But, man, each of these kids, it's kind of crazy. I don't know if you knew this, but each of your kids is, like, really different. <laughs> Amen. Amen. They, they become their own individuals in the Lord as they grow. And we, we trust their hearts to the Lord, but we hide behind the mask of, I've got this parenting thing down. And we, we bring that to God, actually. We, we put the mask of, look at God, how great my kids are. He's like, no, no, unveiled. And then also, not only unveiled be, before me, but unveiled before the body of Christ. Because as I work in your life, and as you depend on me alone, the body of Christ will see the glory of God and how he can help you and walk with you and lead you. We do it with our marriages. Look, I'm hugging my wife a lot today. Obviously, marriage is good. Ah, I don't know how to love my wife. And so together and before God, we go, God, help. What veil are you hiding behind? God says, come into my presence. And that's the next point. Come into my presence. Let me remove the mask. There we can be intimate and close. You can behold the glory of God. And allow me to minister to you and be your sufficiency and your adequacy. I'm reminded of Mary and Martha trying to get a dinner ready for Jesus. And here's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's over in the kitchen basically doing behind, I think, a, a veil of Christian work. I'm going to serve Jesus. Look at all my Christian work that I'm doing. And what's Jesus' response to Martha? Remember? Martha, love you. But what Mary is doing right here, sitting in my presence, at my feet, this is the better thing. This is what I desire from you. And then let me transform your heart one degree to the next, that as you behold me, you behold the glory of God and you reflect the love and glory of God to those around you. Let me take that veil off so that you might be freed from the chains of the law and might fly like birds are meant to fly. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that 
he came and died on the cross for our sin and that he rose again and that as we believe upon him, we are brought into this relationship with you, God, through your son, Jesus. We are saved and we have life and freedom. And Father, forgive us where we hide behind veils trying to pretend that we have it all together, that we can do it in our own strength. I really pray, Lord, that you will free us from that. Expose us so that we might depend on you alone. And Father, through the power of your Spirit, would you move us into your presence? Help us to remain in the vine so that we might have life in you. We love you. In your precious name, amen.